Welcome to the Spring Hills Podcast. Today, I brought in a special guest. His name is Corey Kefauver. He is a local pastor, and um, we've invited him here to talk about uh, a specific topic that I had given Corey a list of things to talk about, and this was one of the ones he mentioned. And then John Knapp is here as well, um, returning. John is, um, you're, you're actually like my go-to, I told Corey this last time, you're kind of my go-to podcaster. I am the go-to guy. Because you're really good Just at podcasting. So I always bring John. I'm always probably because I interrupt a John lot and in. make it feel um, normal. Yeah. Well, that's what podcasting is. Interrupt. So For today sure. we're talking about uh, pornography, yeah. um, addiction to pornography. We are going to do a larger series about uh, addiction. So we'll talk about alcohol and, and drugs and gambling and food. And um, was just also right, uh, 10 minutes ago, somebody suggested doing an, an episode on social media addiction, which oh, yeah. was an interesting, uh, see interesting totally. suggestion too. So, But today we are going to be talking about an addiction to pornography, battling that addiction, how to overcome it. And Corey, uh, since this was something on the list of things that you wanted to talk about, why don't you share a little bit about yourself, share with your about your family, your ministry, and then also why this was a, a topic you were passionate to talk about. Yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, again, my name is Corey. I'm at a church called Living Roots Church in Santa Rosa for about another 10 more days. Ooh, countdown's on. Yeah, and then I'm going to be the pastor of discipleship at Redwood Chapel in Castro Valley. So that's where I'm moving. So you weren't fired. You were <laughs> you got another job at a church you grew no, up at, right? At a, well, at a church where I actually came to Christ at, right. where I met my wife at, got married, and, and all that stuff. So that's uh, it's actually really exciting. Uh, I am married. I do have three kids, a daughter, a boy, and boy. I've uh, been married for uh, almost 11 years now, and uh, yeah, it's been uh, it's been quite a journey, and, and I'm glad that you actually let us talk about this topic, because I feel like it's not a topic that gets talked about in normal conversations with anybody, and uh, just, uh, yeah, I guess I can give you a little bit about me and my background, my wrestle with this. Um, I was exposed to pornography when I was probably five years old. I had a neighbor, uh, we lived in an apartment building, and I had a neighbor who had an older brother who had some magazines. And uh, uh, we got into that. We, we started uh, viewing these images. And, uh, and my neighbor and I used to actually act that stuff out on one another. And so uh, I grew up in Nebraska. And boys that act out sexually with boys is definitely frowned on, uh, even at a young age or whenever. But I, I knew for sure I could not talk to anybody about, about that type of thing. And so as I got older, I, I acted out sexually with more friends, more male friends, um, I, uh, you know, by the age of 12, I was kind of introduced to pornography on the internet. And so, uh, full fledged addicted by the age 12. I mean, to the point where I would be in, uh, the kitchen where our computer was and my brother and my dad would be right around the corner in the living room, watching a football game or something. And I'd just be looking at this stuff, you know, high risk behavior. Uh, like most addicts, we, we do things that are very high risk. You can be caught just like that, you know, but, but it didn't matter because of the addiction that I had at age 12. And so I didn't really have God in my life. I didn't have faith. I just, uh, I, I, uh, but I did always pray that God, whoever he was, she was, it was, would set me free from this because I knew I could not stop even at age 12 uh, going forward. And so I ended up becoming a Christian at age 18. Um, uh, get married a couple years later. I was 21 when I got married. I mean, all that stuff, I thought, you know, I become a Christian, I'll be set free from this. Well, that didn't just happen automatically. Right, yeah. I thought I'd get married, I'd be set free from this. Mm-hmm. That didn't seem to fix anything. Six months into my marriage, I hear I am looking at this stuff again, asking my wife for forgiveness. And so uh, this is a near and dear topic into my heart and my life. It's something that I have uh, learned later in life, how to process in a healthy way. Um, and uh, I, I just uh, received a lot of healing in that area, but but not 
not the way that I thought, not yeah. just, you know, not just by reading enough verses or something like that. It's, it was actually the transformation of the mind that saved me in that. And uh, glad to talk about that later as well, if you'd like. Yeah. And since you mentioned this, John, before I, I, I get to you with that same question, just what your, um, your history is with this. Um, I wanted to share these stats that we, we had found in um, yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the different sites. And, yeah. You were and sharing them with me, dude. I, were, I shared the stats. And to yeah. me, you know, some people aren't shocked by these. I was actually kind of shocked by these, um, but I'll share them real quick. And Corey, you just mentioned just your um, initial exposure to it was at five years old, I think you said. And the average age that boys are exposed to pornography is, and according to these, is 11 years old. I think you had actually said you were surprised it wasn't younger, right? Um, and then uh, sharing your story, that makes a lot of sense. But here's some different stats. Uh, so the polls have shown that about 50% of men and 20% of women look at pornography on a frequent basis. Uh, it's estimated that it's about a $17 billion industry, which we've also had conversations in the past, just sex sells. That's, that's a that's a huge reason why this is such a huge industry because it makes so yep. much money. Uh, yep. 90% of boys and 60% of girls have been exposed to some type of pornographic material by the time they're 18 years old. Um, the number of Christian viewing pornography virtually mirrors the national average. So broken down by age, it's 79% of men between the ages of 18 and 30, 67% of men between the ages of 31 and 49, 49% of men between the ages of 50 and 68 um, then, uh, also says one third, one, one third of men between the ages of 18 and 30 think either think that they're addicted or are unsure if they're addicted to pornography. And then combined 18% of all men think that they're either addicted or are unsure if they're addicted. And then also, um, this was a big one that I, I, uh, makes sense now that I see it, but 25% of all search engine requests on the internet are related to pornography. Um, 35% of downloads on the internet are related to pornography. So over a third of downloads, uh, related to pornography, 40 million Americans say they regularly visit pornographic sites. 70% of men aged 18 to 24 visit porn sites at least once a week. And then the larger, largest consumer group, uh, which the people that are actually paying for pornographic material is, uh, men aged 35 to 49. Um, so these are, obviously like these stats are staggering. There's so many, uh, there's so many people that are dealing with this, this issue. Uh, so we're, we really feel it's important to talk about John. Why don't you share a little bit why, um, your history with this and, and, uh, what you can encourage us with as, uh, you battled it. Yeah. You know, I think that it's so great. We're talking about this because how often do you hear the word porn or pornography in church? Not often at all. <laughs> Ever, right? It's almost uncomfortable when we said we were going to do this. I was uncomfortable just saying, like, when someone asked me, what's your what's your podcast on today? I'm like, porn. P-O-R-N. Porn. <laughs> like, I didn't even want to say it. <laughs> I was want, just kind of like. <laughs> right. And so I think the, the the first thing that I just wanted to, you know, say as I jump into kind of talking about how I can speak into this subject is that, you know, it wasn't really talked about a lot when I was growing up. And, um, you know, I had a couple guys that would talk to me about it, you know, like my small group leaders or folks in the, in the youth ministry. But, um, you know, it was just something that just wasn't talked about and kind of just was expected for you to, you know, stay away from and not be, you know, involved with. And so, uh, unfortunately for me, when I was in, um, I was in eighth grade, ninth grade. It was around that time where I was first introduced. Again, it was also magazines because the internet wasn't as accessible as it is today, you know, with phones and tablets and high-speed internet stuff. And so it was uh, magazines at a friend's house whose dad kept them in the bathroom. 
and um, didn't even try to hide them either. They were just literally right there. Um, it was normalized. It was normalized, and it it was crazy to the point where like the wife would buy them for him. It was kind of really it was really weird, um, and I don't necessarily understand all that, but it was just that was what it was, and um, so that was kind of the introdu- introduction to it. And the thing about pornography is that once you get exposed to it, there's like this curiosity of what 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 else is there out there, you know, and even if you see something that is like not like like pornographic nude, uh, you can at least be more curious if there's, you know, partially nudity or something like that, or like swimsuits and different things like that. And so, um, you know, at age uh, 13 or 14-ish or whatever, it was right around there where um, it started to. And then I had some friends who just uh, were really good at hiding it from their parents. And I never had, we never had it in our house. And it wasn't ever um, something that, you know, I saw my parents, you know, hide or whatever but it was it was for sure something that you know my friends you know um, parents had or they had you know HBO or Cinemax or something you know um, the Spice Channel you know I don't know if that it resonates with any of the speaker or the listeners here but like you know there's those little things and you'd stay up late and then your friends would be like hey check this out and that was it and so um, you know it was a constant like curiosity and it would linger in your mind and it would stay there and then you'd go back into it and then you know all throughout high school it was a constant battle of recognizing the wrongness of it but just being sucked back into it and just like you know finding it as a thing that you'd want to do but then once you are in it you're like oh this is gross and so um it continued through uh high school into college I found a lot of accountability in college with the college pastors, some really close friends when I started bringing it out into light and saying, hey, I struggle with this. And what I recognize is other guys were struggling with it as well. They just weren't talking about it. And, um, you know, as I brought it out to the light, there was a lot of healing that happened and recognizing that I do need accountability. Um, My uh, girlfriend at the time, wife now, uh, Lauren, uh, you know, brought her into the conversation and a lot of, you know, processing through that with, you know, your significant other, your girlfriend, whatever, um, was hard, but important. I think we'll probably talk about that a little bit later on, but, um, you know, same thing, you thinking that it would go away when, you know, you, you know, get older because you mature out of those immature things, but sure. those demographics say, you know, gosh, right. Yeah. I 30, mean, yeah, 40, just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I, I continue to have the battle of, um, looking at or, um, you know, watching uh, pornography, even into the first couple of years of our marriage. Um, and then it wasn't until actually we had our daughter, Tegan, where there was like this huge moment where I was just recognizing my wife asked me one night, you know, hey, when was the last time or do you struggle with this? And I, I told her I, I, I did and that we that I had and um, it crushed her. Absolutely. And it was hard because, you know, for a wife to see, think that there's more than just her in your life when it comes to those I think you'd in, mentioned before the things. one and only. Yeah. She, 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 she kind of went through the idea of like, yeah, I'm not the one and only for you in this area, which is, should be for us only. Right. But um, what I can say, and I'll wrap it up now is just that, you know, for the last 10 years, you know, it has been, um, not a addiction or not a struggle where there is a, a relapse or a going back to or a um, even active need to fight it. Um, we can talk a little bit about temptation and things sure. that you see, but um, you know, 
thankfully, I haven't actively sought pornography in over 10 years, right. which is, you know, a, a, a thing that only Christ can do for you as setting you free because, you know, you need, you need to recognize how right. he comes into this situation and, and, and makes it you know, that much more right. for you. So. I think this is, it's great to hear both of your, your histories with it. Um, I shared with you prior to starting just my history with it is a little bit different. John is very similar to yours though, as far as growing up, it wasn't, a, I, it wasn't around. I, I yeah. was not, I, I was not exposed to anything um, pornographic beyond like the, uh, the, the normal um, TV shows that show too much or stuff like that. Right. Like Baywash. Um, yeah. I mean, stuff Baywatch. like that, that was, that was around, but it wasn't, I, I never saw any magazines, never okay, saw yeah. anything on the internet, didn't have HBO or anything. So like nothing like that until I was in college, which, um, I didn't know how rare that was, um, hearing other people's stories now, that's very rare. And I'm very thankful that my parents were able to protect me from that. And I think in college, there was just a time where, um, where it was around my roommate's you know, they had the magazines or they had HBO and it was around and it was, it was never really something that I was really drawn to. And I think my struggle became, and I, I shared this became more of like, um, the, the people that were around, like I would go and just try to flirt with any girl I could. And then it was just like, where, where could this lead to? I got my own apartment. I got my own room, you know, things like that. And that's where my struggle came in was more with that area. Um, and so it's interesting to hear the difference, the different stories here with, with houses gone, but let's talk about, uh, what the Bible says about pornography, um, is it a sin against God? And then also, if I'm not addicted to it, if I have just looked at it a few times, is it still wrong? Is it still something it's like, well, I can stop that anytime I want. So it's not, it's not bad, right? If I, if I know I'm not addicted. Yeah. So let's talk about that, that question. Well, we can start with uh, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus talks about if you look at someone lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. So number one, out the gate, uh, and uh, which is why, as a Christian, actually it leads a lot more shame, doesn't it? Before I was a Christian, it's like, oh, it's no big deal. It's what everyone does. Now that I believe in Jesus, uh, it just adds a lot more shame where it's like, oh, I'm committing adultery now. Mm. What's the penalty for adultery in the Bible? Yeah, huge conviction, right? You know? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so anyway, so yeah, so number one, it, it, it is lustfully, which is why pornography is a gateway. I mean, it, it, it's a, it's a, it, it feeds into lust mm -hmm. a lot, which is the, the root sin there. Uh, and it's adultery. I'm just uh, pulling this out of my memory bank here. I don't have a scripture verse. I could give it to you so you can put it in the notes. But I think it's in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians where Paul's talking about sexual immorality. And the Greek word is actually porneia. Um, and uh, this idea of carnal, um, s sexual um, uh, you know, activity that is, that is not sanctioned, is not sacred in the eyes of God. You know, and so there is this link between what God has said sex is for and what sex is not for. And in the Bible, it really um, talks about sex being the, the, the union between a, a man and a wife um, that are married. You know, it's intimate, it's um, special, and it's reserved for them. And pornography is uh, captured on a video camera. Uh, between two people who aren't married, um, you know, interacting and doing things that are sexually immoral. And so um, involving yourself in that and viewing that and partaking in that is 100% a sin. And then what you're doing to your own heart in seeing these images is setting you up for a broken view of love, a broken view of relationships, and, um, you know, a heart. Distorting the view of what God created. Distorting the view of your human body. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I didn't realize the damage 
that that would cause, even as a five, six-year-old, 12-year-old. I mean, just legitimately the damage in our brains that pornography does and how that's impacted me with intimacy, with uh, not just sexual intimacy with, with my wife, but what... Like having in- friends. Intimacy with others, being close with others, because what this has created in myself, this addiction has created in me, is a, is a pattern of isolation. It's a pattern of hiding. It's a pattern of coping with pain instead of instead of dealing with pain and processing pain. I I would cope with pornography. Yeah. Uh, and it and it really does cripple you in, in so many different ways. And so even though it seems so innocent and oh just a video, just whatever, it literally has become become something that changes the chemistry and the way our minds actually work. And it does some long-term damage in that as well. Well, you were telling us about the different parts of our brain, right? Yeah. Tell us more about the limbic system and all that. Yeah. So the limbic system is the part of our brain that makes a lot of the subconscious decisions in our mind, which literally is like 99.99% of our decisions are subconscious. Uh-huh. I mean, that's the way God like made breathing. us, right? Like breathing, you know, your heart beating. I don't think about that stuff. We, it just, my, my mind just controls that. Uh, that's the limbic system. Well, um, when we when we uh, create these neurological pathways in our brains, like we we see something, we experience something, we get this release of dopamine. Like what, that's what pornography does. You go down this experience where, oh, this feels good. This feels good. It it, it it's a good thing. That's what your mind's telling you. This is a good thing. That's what sex does. God made us to enjoy sex. Like it, He literally designed us that way. Um, well, and when we when we go with pornography. Uh, or masturbation or any type of sexual immorality, it releases that dopamine in our brain and and it becomes a pathway in our brain almost to the point and not almost actually to the point where in our limbic system, it becomes just a normal pathway where we go. So when we're stressed out, when we're hungry, when we're angry, lonely, tired, you know, uh, uh, it's a natural way of coping where it's almost like you're not even thinking. You're not even thinking about it because afterwards you'll have conversations and say, why in the world did I do that? Mm-hmm. That's, that's your prefrontal cortex, which is the front part of your brain, the reasoning part of your brain that says, hey, you probably shouldn't do that. And so uh, that part of our brain, the reasoning part of our brain is not even fully developed in men till we're about 25 years old. And so the average person's 11 that's viewing pornography is already making neurological pathways in their limbic system, how to deal with life. Is becoming a natural pathway for them before they even have the ability to say that's probably not a good thing to do. Or for yourself, five years old, 20 yep. years before. Yep. yep, absolutely, absolutely. And so uh, that's how Satan works. He likes to plant these things in our brains early to get us addicted, to get us in bondage, slavery to this early. So it becomes a natural way that we uh, cope with life. Uh, and and it's, uh, that's, that's what it does. I was talking to a, um, a couple of other guys about this. And, you know, it's really good. You know, if you're listening to this as a guy... The best thing you could do is talk about this with other guys, you know, because you got to bring it out into light. But, you know, talking about this is it's one of the hardest addictions to break because it's one like food and it's one like, you know, a natural like eating. It's a natural instinct that God gave us. A natural instinct within us is to have a, a sexual uh, desire, right? And so um, God gave us the sexual desire. The idea of having sex was really this idea to enjoy each other, but also to populate the earth, right? And so it's natural. And so that makes it a very difficult addiction to overcome, to break, because it is so hardwired in us, like eating, um, you know, resting, those types of natural instincts are, are um, you know, built within us. And so when sexual arousal is a part of that, and then it's warped, it can make it even more difficult because your body thinks it's natural or it's yeah. normal to do. Yeah. And, if, and it becomes your autopilot, which is why somebody, a pastor, can stand in front of thousands of people and preach the word of God 
and then two hours later go down and, and hook up with a prostitute. It's, 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 you know, you're not thinking through your limbic system, your, your moral part of your brain where it's like, this is right or wrong. This is a autopilot, a mm. way of coping with stress that if you want to be healed, you have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which yeah. is what scriptures teaches, right? Yeah. So, Romans 12. Yeah. So it, it, it's all, it's all about rewiring your autopilot, not rewiring your, your, your morality part of your brain, not saying, oh, believe enough, believe enough, believe enough. No, you got to learn how to be renewed in the mind by the gospel and go down other ways and learn how to process the pain instead of coping with it with pornography. Right. I think one of the questions that um, I've been excited to ask you guys and talk about is this is the kind of thing, this, this addiction or this struggle would be something that feels a little bit more private and personal than something, say, like if you're an alcoholic, where if you're drinking and you're, you're drunk around your family, obviously there's going to be effects on your family. Some people might think that, well, if this is just me, how is this even, why does this matter to anyone else? How does it even affect anyone else if it's just, if it's just my own thing? Like, I'm not involving anyone in this. I'm not drunk, so I'm not treating people poorly. So um, why does my personal sin affect or even matter to others. Yeah. Well, I remember it's saying in scripture, I don't have the right address on top of my head right mm. now. But Chapter all, verse, give it to yeah, me. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, but you know, all other sin is outside of the body, but the sin of sexual immorality is actually inside of your body. It's actually damaging inside of you. And we're, and we're talking about our neurological pathways and all that kind of stuff, but it does, it, it leaves long-term impacts on your intimacy with others, which I'm still recovering from. I'm still learning how to have healthy relationships with people how to not hide, isolate, lie, you know, <laughs> just be honest, be, be authentic, you know, um, it, it, like long-term, we're, we're, we, tr this can help train our brains to go, to go down that pathway all the time. And so I think there are long-term effects that aren't as visible, but uh, they can be felt uh, in the life of people. Uh, that's definitely a long-term effect of this, even though it seems private, it seems so innocent, you know. Yeah, well, you could say it to the college student or you could say to, you know, even the, the person who's not married, you know, just if you're dating, if you're, you know, whatever, like what you're doing now is you're, you're, a, you're a work in progress every time, every day, you know, who you are now is what you're building your life towards to be in the future. So you're not the sum of who you are right now in this moment, but what you're doing right now is making you into the person that you're going to be five years from now. And if you're addicted to pornography and you're living your life on your own right now, and there's no other people that depend on you in a sense, um, you know, what you got to recognize is that you're, you're though, you're setting yourself up for a future relationship where you're bringing a whole lot of baggage with you into that relationship where you, your, your mind is completely twisted when it comes to this idea. I'm not saying you're twisted. What I'm just saying is your understanding of sex and a healthy boundary of sex and, and what it's, what it's for and, and how we ought to, you know, enjoy it is completely twisted when you bring other people in, you observe other people, the fantasies that you have, you know, it just, it's not reality. Mm. Porn is not reality. <laughs> it is not what real sex is all about. Wow. Um, and so you've got to see that you're, you're putting your hope and your trust or whatever your understanding of this reality in something that is just not even true. They're actors. They're getting paid to yeah. do this. They wouldn't, billion they wouldn't do it, it without it. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's, you, you've got to be thinking about it in that, in that way. And so you're, you're just foolish. If you think to yourself, it's not going to hurt anybody. I'm the only one doing it. 
Um, you obviously have a small view of who you are and your relationships. Well, and you even you alluded to just talking to your wife about it. And yeah. I and I'm sure Corey, you kind of started to talk about that too. And I just having conversations with my own wife, like before we were married, making I I'm like I was stressed out so much to like I've got I have to tell her that I'm not a virgin, and I'm I'm scared to tell this girl who saved herself for me that I didn't have the self control or whatever to to save myself for her. And now I I'm like I'm she's gonna she's gonna dump me, and I'm not gonna this is the girl of my dreams. Now I'm not going to get to marry her because of something that in the time I thought, well, this isn't a big deal. It's not affecting anybody else besides me and this person. Right. So having the conversation, I mean, this is affecting your mm-hmm. family, right? So let's talk about the conversation and like how it affected your, your family life now. And then I also want to get to just the fact that we're talking about um, how young that people can be exposed to this. We're all fathers. We all have kids yeah. that are growing up that are, um, I mean, we've got kids that are I think anywhere from three to what's your oldest is nine. Uh, she's eight. Eight. Okay. So your oldest is nine, right? So my oldest is nine. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, so let's talk about just the effect that it's had on a family. And then as going forward as fathers, what can we do to, um, to, to pr- protect our kids from this as much as we yeah. can, you know? Well, I think that what's important to know is that we do have to have this conversation around this idea of how it impacts other people. But when you're addicted to something, right? I mean, you can talk till you're blue in the face about how it affects other people, but some addicts or some folks who experience this on deep, deep, deep levels who are super, it, it doesn't even register with them, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, could you could you talk yeah. even a little bit to that? Like, I, I would totally agree with that because sexual addiction has nothing to do with sex. It has everything to do with how you cope with stress and pain in your life. It's a medication. Mm-hmm. The same way that food might medication be. Or, the same way or that, social media so, yeah. or whatever. It, 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 it's a medication for the pain in your life, mm-hmm. which is why you can have sex with the spouse and then later that same day struggle with sexual immorality by looking at pornography. Okay, Or even committing adultery with somebody else. Absolutely. Because you're sexually addicted. Yep. Right. It's about how you medicate the stress and pain of your life. And so someone talking about the damage of yourself, if the only way you've learned how to medicate the stress and pain of your life is looking at pornography, you are setting yourself up for a lot of bondage and a lot of hurt later on. Okay. So, so yeah, go ahead. So I was just going to say, so it's, it's, it's fair to say that it's good to talk about how hurting others is a part of it, but for some, and probably even most, if you're addicted to it, hurting others, isn't going to get you to stop oh, doing sure, what sure, you're going sure. to yeah. do. And I think that's important for, yeah. for people to, to know and listen to. Now, as fathers, right, or as, you know, men here who have, you know, wives and, and, and families, uh, that is a big part of, you know, how you think about it as well. Like, right, you want to make sure that, you know, you are setting a good example for your for your kids and that you're staying pure in your thoughts and in your rela- in your in your physical life with, you know, your wife and your wife only. Um, and ultimately what this all, I think, comes down to and, and why, you know, I think it was great that you started out with just talking about Jesus and the Sermon on the Mount is that, that ultimately, you know, this is a, it's a sin against God, right? It is a, it is a sin against God and it is something that we must hate. It is something that we must, um, not, um, tolerate in our lives to the point where we recognize it separates us from, from who God wants us to be and closeness with him. And so, um, and you, you'd mentioned also love the Lord, your God, and you're saying, how can you do this? Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. How can you do that? If this is your, and we talked, you know, well, about, and love your neighbor as yourself. If, if you're doing those two things, you don't have room right. to, to 
get caught up in the in the pornography. So it's it's sin. You have to recognize it as sin. You you have to approach it as sin. If you want to break the addiction of pornography in your life, you have to recognize it as a sin that is holding you bondage and the answer to set you free would be found in Christ alone, right? And so um, I forget what That's we... That's a good series plug right now. Right? We're going Christ, that series, alone. Christ alone. There you go. Good. Yes. Uh, I don't know exactly the question. I was, that I was asking about being fathers. Like yeah. we, we had, in our previous conversation, we talked about just making it so it's actually something that's this is talked about within our families. So it's yeah. not something that's so... Um, Corey, I think you really, you really talked about that a little bit in our conversation. So, um, do you want to talk into that a little bit? Yeah, that's good. So, so I do two things as a parent, as a dad, I do two things. Number one, I try to have conversations like this with my kids. I've talked to all of my kids, eight, seven, and five years old. They all know what pornography is. I've talked to them about looking at images of naked people and how daddy learned how to cope with life that way. They all know that, right? So number one, I want, I want to have open conversations with my kids to, to say there's nothing that, because what I did as a five-year-old is I hid. Mm-hmm. I knew I could not talk to my parents about this. I'll be in trouble if I talk to my parents about this. And I think this. you said it was seven or eight years before you were caught, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was 12, 13 by the time I was even caught. And by the time I was caught, I was grateful because at least someone knew about it. At least I could talk to somebody about it, right? So I want to start that early with my kids. I have those conversations regularly with my kids, age appropriate, you know, talking so they would understand what I'm talking about. But secondly, I try to teach each of my kids how to cope with life in a healthy way. I want my kids to, when, they're, when, when they are exposed to pornography, it's not a matter of if. I mean I, I, I mean, I hope I could keep them all in a bubble, but like you, John, you were exposed not by your parents, but by friends. Right, yeah. Right, you can't. The influences around you. It's, it, you yeah. know, so, uh, you know, I, I hope my kids are never exposed to it ever. That being said, I'm preparing them to be exposed to it so that when they are exposed to it, I want my kids to say, I could look at that, but I don't have to. I want them to learn how to cope with life in a healthy way uh, through the gospel. Uh, and, and that's where a lot of the recovery kind of happens. We're retraining the brain. But I want my kids to, 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 to not need that to deal with life uh, like I did. I want them to, to, to know what's wrong and to know what to do when they, when, when they are exposed to it. So we, we have conversations about that all the time. I mean, we've, we, we haven't talked about pornography, you know, specifically as a subject to the kids. But, you know, even preparing for, you know, this this conversation we're having now, um, you know, looking at different resources that are out there to have this conversation with younger kids. There are some things out there where, you know, you, you use such language as there's certain things, there's such a thing as good pictures and bad pictures, right? It's a good book. Is it? Okay. That's a book. I was going to say, I think, I I think it was a book. You've read it before. You've seen it. Yeah. We read it with our kids. Yeah. So it's like this idea that, you know, in life there are good pictures and there's bad pictures and, you know, bad pictures can lead us down a, a road where we can think about the world and ourselves, um, in a wrong way compared to how God created us. And then there are good pictures that we can fill our minds with. And it comes back to ultimately, you know, what it says in Philippians about, you know, what you set your mind on, you know, was good, pure, holy, righteous, those types of things, right? Um, The things that, you know, are helpful for us, not setting our things on um, things that are, you know, you know, bad for, for our minds to be dwelling upon. And, and uh, getting caught up in. And so uh, we, we've talked about sex um, with our oldest. And, um, you know, Logan, my, so my oldest is nine. Uh, we talked with her last year. And then my, my son, Logan, is seven. He's going to turn eight. And um, I am late to the game on him. Not mm-hmm. that he's been exposed to it or anything, but that I, I need to get that conversation just started with him. But they know the body parts, you know, that, you know, the 
you know, the parts that my son has and the parts that my daughter has. And, you know, I think it, it's, it's weird to even talk about that. I've talked about this with my kids and that's how like abnormal it is sure. in the church today to even say, well, these are the bodies that God gave us, right? right? We should not be ashamed of them, but we should protect them in that your body is a temple, right? And that you should consider it to be holy and set apart for God. And when you involve yourself in, in, in sex outside of marriage, in pornography, in sexual immorality, um, those types of things, um, your, your body is not then set apart for the things, uh, things of God. And so right. um, I think that's kind of the context in which we've approached it with our kids is that there's a right way and there's a wrong way for us to use our bodies um, in this life. Uh, and, and um, you know, we'll talk about that more and more right. with our kids as they, get, as they get older. Let's talk about some resources that we can recommend to some people that um, may be battling this, this now. Um, we've mentioned some books. John, what was the book that you, you'd mentioned before? On the altar of sexual, adult, uh, sexual idolatry. On the altar of sexual idolatry. Let me get the author really quick for you. Okay. And then, Corey, you also mentioned um, a program that you're involved in. Yeah. So I, I meet every single week. I'm in a group called Seven Pillars of Freedom. Uh, and that's just an amazing, it's a 10-month series where we, we meet weekly with a group of guys and, you know, kind of work through this, work through how to renew the mind through, through the lens of the Bible, through the lens of scripture, through the lens that God designed us to be, you know, and so that's an amazing one. Another, um, another good resource is the Conquer series. It's a 10 week series. It's a video series. Uh, where you meet with a group of guys, uh, and, and you can talk about it as well. There's also really good resources for for women and, and spouses that have been hurt by this. Uh, it's called Betrayal and Beyond. It's similar to the Seven Pillars of Freedom, but it's for women who struggle with, with a pornographic addiction and also women who have been betrayed, women, women who have been hurt by spouses that have gone down that yeah. path. And so it's a really, really good uh, way. We should say, I mean, if uh, the, the, other, the other stat that... Um, came around is that one third of people that are struggling with a pornographic addi addiction are women. Yeah, and so it's not that's that's not uncommon. A third of the people that that are struggling with it. So I mean, it's it's another thing. So that's yeah, a great resource also, um, and but, also something you just said. Oh, go ahead, John. I'll just say let me let me give it to you. So is at the altar of sexual idolatry by Steve Gallagher. Steve Gallagher. And then there's a like what you were talking about. Uh, there's a there's a ministry called Pure Life Ministry where. Um, you know, you can get uh, connected with a, a, a counselor, uh, a workbook, um, things that you can work through with your spouse, like you were saying, because when you're going through a sexual addiction of any kind, um, it involves both parties. Both parties need to have something that they can work through and turn to and find the tools to, you know, um, get past this and move forward. And right. so Pure Life Ministries is one that will not only minister to the person who's addicted, but to the person who's married to the addicted person. Right. And that's a super important thing to have. Yeah. And now also what, something that's just been mentioned throughout the the whole podcast, especially through the, some, some of the stuff you were recommending there, Corey, is you kept saying there's a group of people. It's a group of people. Oh, it's man. community. Yeah. And so having people around to talk to this about, and John, you mentioned it too, just having somebody to talk about with. Now we've got uh, the G3 nights are starting by the time, where this is Thursday, but it's tomorrow night. And by the time this is posted, it'll be tonight. So if you hear this and you're a guy, come on down, yeah. come to G3 because we're going to start this one every month. Um, it's the third Thursday of every third Friday, Friday. of every month, mm -hmm. and um, the the idea here is that we need to have a community, right? So, uh, with the guys coming together, we're just gonna we're gonna eat, we're gonna hear from uh, some of our pastors. So it's guys, gospel, and grub, right? That's, That's it, the G three. And so um, make sure you come down to that because we 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 need community to get.
together, uh, no matter what it is that you're going through. It doesn't have to be a pornographic addiction. If you're dealing, whatever you're dealing with, we need community together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would say probably everyone listening, which probably about a third of these will probably be women, uh, if the statistic is, goes true here, right? So uh, I would imagine that everyone has pretty much tried to fight this addiction by themselves, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, everyone, everyone tries that, right? But when they realize they can't, that's where that's where God and community does come yeah. in. And so there's so much freedom. You know, uh, we've all tried reading a book. We've all tried, you know, going through the scripture, memorizing verses, which are all helpful and good. But it's in the community where you can confess your sins to one another so that you can be healed. It's it's yeah. the it's the really so bearing with one another and walking with one another that really is a huge part of the healing process. So I can't emphasize that enough. I th- I think that you're hitting on something that would be great for us to end on, and that is with the idea of hope, like. This is something that you can feel completely trapped by, and you you need to know, listener, that there is hope. Like you, you are given, you know, a way out through Christ, through a relationship with God. He has the power to break this, and it's about surrendering your life to Him, and it's about recognizing the truth that He puts forward about this topic and why, um, you know, He is better than and more able, and He is able to help you through it. And, um, you know, more than anything else, you know, if you've tried anything and everything else, you know, and you have yet to come to a place where you want to bring Jesus in, you know, there is hope in, in finding, you know, freedom from this in Christ. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you yeah. both so, so much for coming down and talking about this. Um, we're going to continue talking about different addictions, how to uh, how to have hope. I mean, that's the point of this, right, is giving people hope because we've all dealt with our own things and we need hope and we know that we can find that hope in Christ, in Christ alone, which again is our sermon series right now. So come to church and hear the sermon series <laughs> in Christ alone. Um, guys, if you're hearing this on Friday, May, what's the date? May 21st tomorrow. So um, Friday, May 21st, come down for G3 night. Um, we'd love to see you there. If you can't make it this month come next month because um it's going to be awesome i'm really happy that we're starting this ministry i think it's going to be great for for the men in our church so Corey, john thanks for being here thanks for having us yeah